This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me. As always, the NFL Draft is just two days away. Here at Saturday to Sunday, we are putting the finishing touches on all of our pre-draft content. We Final Rankings podcast came out. The Draft Projections Notebook came out last week. I've been updating that excessively based on everything I'm reading, hearing, and listening. Remember, for $9.99, you get access to all three notebooks. The Draft Projections Notebook, which just came out last week, Tabs for every position, offense and defense, close to 400 prospects in there. Snapshot of how they win, developmental areas, their measurements, their combine testing, round projection, and ranked in the order in which I expect them to come off the board, plus tabs for projected top 31, which is round one this year, projected Top 102, which is rounds one through three, and then trying to project all 259 players that will be selected in the NFL draft. Our projection for all rounds one through seven. That's just the draft projections notebook. So much information in that. But you also get the other two notebooks. You get our rankings notebook. It has all our different rankings. It'll have our NFL, it'll have our dynasty rookie rankings updated in real time after each night of the NFL draft. It has our draft rankings heading into the draft just based on film analysis it'll have our it has our debbie rankings it has our positional overall dynasty rankings which will be updated within a couple of weeks after the nfl draft for startup drafts for you know trades in terms of dynasty leagues in the offseason and then you get the scouting notebook a hundred detailed player profiles strengths functional areas developmental areas how they win nfl role nfl projection fantasy spend detailed analysis on uh, almost a hundred of the offensive skill players in this draft class. You get it all for 99. If you've never purchased it, but you've been a longtime listener, please consider purchasing it. We really need the sales to help us to continue to do what we're doing here. If you've purchased it in the past, uh, but haven't gotten it this year, we hope that you consider purchasing it again. Uh, it is the livelihood and the lifeblood of, of what allows us to continue to do what we do here. All the money we bring in goes right back into the product and into the subscriptions and the server and everything we need to continue to do what we do here at Saturday Sunday. So if you listen to my ranking show, the most recent episode, that was just me going through my ranks, talking a little bit about the players. I figured what I'd do tonight and then maybe one more podcast, just kind of forecasting last minute. So you, when you wake up the day of the NFL draft, you have a short podcast, just kind of projecting how I expect it to go. Kind of like a little, you know, a little uh, tease into what the draft projections notebook is all about. Uh, tonight I just want to talk about some guys that I consider my guys on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball, whether they're guys I'm a little bit higher on than consensus. Uh, I thought that would be a fun exercise. Some of these guys you've heard me talk about a lot. On the defensive side, you haven't really heard me talk about these guys at all. So let's just get right into it. We'll start the quarterback position. I think on that, it's it's for me, it's got to be Anthony Richardson. He's been my guy since last summer when I've said, and then like right after the season started, I said he should be, you know, all Debbie leagues. He should be the top quarterback prospect, you know, that people are trying to get if we're talking about the guys that were draft eligible this year, obviously not taking into account a guy like Caleb Williams, but Anthony Richardson has been that guy. For me, he's, like I've said before, part Cam Newton, part Lamar Jackson. I don't think 
while he's got some refinement and development to do, I don't think he's a project. I think he can get on the field soon. I like the upside. I think his ceiling is higher than Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. I think his fantasy appeal is significantly higher than both of those guys. I like Anthony Richardson. I'd, I'd invest as high as the second pick in the draft if Houston wanted to pull the trigger. I'd be okay with that. Uh, I, I think it would be a poor job by... Houston, if they pass on him and they don't take C.J. Stroud, I can understand that. Poor job by the Colts. Poor job by the Seahawks. Teams that need a quarterback. I think they're I think they're misunderstanding the upside and appeal of Anthony Richardson. I'd be pounding the table for him if I was in the the war room of any of those teams. One other quarterback, a little bit further down the list, that I would also consider one of my guys would be Jaron Hall out of BYU. I think he's the, like I've mentioned before. To me, he's the discount version of Bryce Young. I like the combination of arm talent, athleticism, uh, his ability to throw a touch and anticipation, moving around the pocket. I, there's a lot of things I like about Jaron Hall. I wonder if you know the age and and coming from BYU and Zach Wilson struggling from there has people a little soured on you know, looking at a quarterback from BYU and maybe judging them fairly on their own skill set. But I think Jaron Hall's a really interesting player. I think he should come off the board early day three in that early round four mix. And I, I like him more than, I know some people are into Jay Kaner, Aiden O'Connell, Stetson Bennett. But for me, after the big five, I'm, Jaron Hall's my sixth guy. Uh, and I don't really think, I think in terms of fantasy appeal, the only other one that's going to be a day three guy that might have more fantasy appeal would be Dorian Thompson-Robinson. But I think Jaron Hall is a more complete player than a guy like DTR. So he would be my other my guy there at the quarterback position. If we take this over to the running back position, I think the first my guy has got to be Devin A-Chain because he's been my clear RB three since last summer. Most people have came off of that over the last X couple of months. But for me, Devin A. Chain, still my RB3, still a guy that I invested early to mid-second round pick in. The explosiveness, the big playability. Every team is looking for an offensive weapon, a, a big-time threat. I think Devin A. Chain could be that guy. I think he showed this year the ability to hold up to a heavy workload. I think this guy's more Chris Johnson than, you know, than the guy who's going to be a, a bit player. And no one carries 20, 24 times. That's, there's very few bell cows. But I think Devin A. Chain could have 12, 13 rushes a game and then four or five catches and be a highly, highly impactful player, offer big play ability whenever he touches the ball. I like the three down capabilities. You can run them we put him on the perimeter. I think he can make a lot of explosive plays happen. So he'd be my first guy. I'm going to stick with another guy that I think I'd consider one of my guys is Tank Bigsby. I have him all the way up at number four. Most people, I have not seen any rankings that have Tanks Bigsby at number four. I'd be okay with him in round three. I think he's got the athleticism. He's got the play strength. He's got the quickness. He's got the footwork. I think playing behind that porous offensive line at Auburn, did not do him any favors. I think he got into some bad tendencies and bad habits trying to, you know, make that make a big play happen. And I think if he played in a different setup and a more skilled offensive line, we would have seen some of his natural abilities come out. But I think he's got three down capabilities. I think he's a guy that runs with great power, physicality, and toughness, but also has the athleticism and quickness to make big plays happen too. I think he's a functional pass catcher. There's not a lot about Tank Bigsby. I think there's a little bit of 
refinement in terms of vision and patience because maybe I think at times he got, like I said, some bad habits there. But I really like his contact balance, uh, his finishing ability. I'm a fan of Tank Bigsby. He'd be another running back that that I would consider my guy. And then one one more guy would be Eric Gray. I've been a big Eric Gray fan since his days at Tennessee. I know that first year at Oklahoma didn't go as expected, but to me, he's a three-down running back that can that is really good in, in all those areas. You want him to run between tackles? He can do it. You want him to run to the perimeter? He's got the athleticism and speed to do that as well. You want him to run with some power? He can do that. You want a great receiver out of the backfield? He can do that. So to me, there's a lot to like about Eric Gray. He'd be a guy that I'd be very intrigued with early day three, that round four mix. So he's one of those guys. I think I'm higher on Gray than just about anybody else in the industry. I think I'm higher on Tank Bigsby, and I'm, I'm still locked in a Devin A. Chain as my RB3. Those are things that I that I feel like I'm higher than the consensus on. I don't see a lot of people have A-Chain 3, Tank Bigsby 4, and Eric Gray you know, inside their top eight or so ahead of guys like Zach Charbonnet and some other guys who are you know much higher in people's ranks. If we take this to the wide receiver position, in terms of someone who I would say is my guy, my first one would be Josh Downs. He's my thir- he's my number three wide receiver. I have him ahead of Jordan Addison. I have it, uh, him ahead of Quinton Johnston, uh, Jalen Hyatt, and many other guys. For me, I know he probably is pegged only as a slot guy at the next level at 5'9", 171 pounds. But all I know is he combines athleticism and movement skills really quick, a yards after catch guy, but he's a guy that even in his size and frame, he shows the ability to go up and win at the catch point, and that's what I love about Josh Downs. He, he Maybe he's quicker than more straight line fast, but he ran plenty fast at the combine. He ran faster than Jordan Addison. I think he's got better ball skills than Jordan Addison. Uh, I'm a big fan of Josh Downs. If you're looking for a guy that early portion of round two, I'd be comfortable anywhere, you know, 30, I'd even be okay late round one if we're talking about Addison and Flowers. I don't think there's this big difference. I think Downs belongs in that mix, but I think, you know, I think probably the the early portion of round two would be the sweet spot for him. I'm a big fan of Josh Downs. There's a lot to like about his game. I love just his movement capabilities. I think he's going to be very hard to cover for NFL defensive backs, and then you could do a lot of different things with him on the offensive side of the ball. I think he's a good route runner. Like I said, I think he wins more at the catch point than you would expect for a guy his size. He goes up and gets it. He fights for it. A lot to like about uh, Josh Downs. Another one of my guys, I'll group these two together, is Marvin Mims and Tyler Scott. I think I'm a little bit higher on both those guys. I think they're both vertical slot guys, but could also play on the outside. Uh, You know, I don't think there's a big gap between Marvin Mims, Tyler Scott, and up there like Jordan Addison and those guys. So I I, I think Mims and Scott should be early to mid-second round picks if we're talking about those other guys as round one guys. So, you know, I know other people prefer, you know, some of the other guys like, you know, Cedric Tillman or Jonathan Mingo. And I like those guys. I, I do. But I like Mims and Tyler Scott above those guys. I don't think that's really, you know, the consensus so much out there anymore. I think both Mims and Scott offer that, that vertical capabilities, that inside outside versatility, that explosiveness, uh, really enamored with both of those players. If we take this a little bit further down the board, uh, another one of my guys is Charlie Jones. He'd be a guy that I'd be okay late round three, early round four. I think his separation ability, his his quickness in and out of breaks is really 
uh, interesting. And then I didn't think, I didn't even test that as an average to above average athlete. He tested that as a good to very good athlete. He showed really good speed at the combine. He showed more explosiveness and athleticism uh, than I thought he had in his cards. I think I went from thinking he could be a possession type slot in the mold of like a Hunter Renfro to thinking that he's got some vertical slot capabilities. And that's what really has me intrigued uh, with Charlie Jones. Another one of my guys at the wide receiver position, the last one I'll say is Rakeem Jarrett out of Maryland. I still can't quit him. I know in the summer he was in my top 10. He was in most people's top 10s. I think most people now look at him as like basically almost a guy that is undraftable. I still think he belongs in round four, round five mix, a former five-star recruit, uh, I think he's got very good to great athleticism. You could do a lot after the catch in terms of his yak and rack ability. I think he shows separation quickness. I think he shows the ability to win all three levels of the field. I think a team is going to get a guy uh, really motivated, and I think he's going to be a steal somewhere on day three, probably in round five or round six. I'd be willing to take him even in round four, um, you know, anywhere in round four. If we go to the tight ends, who's my guy at the tight end position? It's got to be Luke Musgrave. He's my number one tight end. Nobody, almost nobody has him. I think Lance Erland is the only other person I've seen have him as their, as their tight end one. For me, he's my tight end one. I think the narrative that he's not a blocker is, 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 is incorrect, to be frankly honest with you. I think Luke Musgrave... I've heard Greg Cosell talk about him. I've heard Lance Erlang talk about him. I've heard other really reputable people in the industry say this is a guy who has shown some blocking capabilities. He's still got to continue to develop into his frame, but this is a guy that was slightly detached a lot, not out in space. He showed the ability slightly detached to hold up at the point of attack and be a blocker. I think he has the best blend of receiving potential and blocking potential. Darnell Washington, better blocker, right? But I think I think Luke Musgrave's pass catching ability is higher than a guy like Darnell Washington. I think if it all comes together in a couple years, he could be a George Kittle type player where you could almost run an offense through this type player. I think he's got the capabilities when KC lines up, you know, three by one and Travis Kelsey is on, you know, the, the one side. I think you can do things like that with Luke Musgrave. I think if he doesn't get hurt this year, we're talking about a guy who puts up a monster statistical season for a tight end in college, and I think the whole narrative changes. If he puts up a year where he catches 75, 80 passes over 1,000 yards, I think he's tight end one this year. I think he's locked in. I think he's going ahead of Dalton Kincaid. I think for sure he's going ahead of Michael Mayer. Dalton Kincaid's getting drafted based on his receiving pedigree, but he is nowhere near the athlete of Luke Musgrave. He's not the blocker that Luke Musgrave can de- uh, determine uh, uh, develop into. So I think Luke Musgrave, if he played this whole year and put up the stats that I think he would have put up like he did in week one and week two, would have been the clear-cut tight end one in this draft class. I'm still buying him. He's one of my favorite players uh, in this draft class. If we take this over to offensive linemen, I, I know we don't talk a lot about offensive linemen, but a couple guys uh, that I'm really intrigued with. The first one is Cody Mock at North Dakota State. Good athleticism, movement skills, and quickness. Why I'm high on him that I think he's even more into late round one or early round two pick is his versatility. He could play offensive tackle. He could play offensive guard. I think a team can move him inside and he could be a Pro Bowl center. So I like the versatility. I think Cody Mock is one of those guys. He he. He's going to be a guy that just the personality is going to be something that's contagious to the rest of the offensive line. He's a guy that that I'm really fond of. I like the versatility. I like the upside there. Another one is Joe Tipman. He's my number one center in this class out of Wisconsin. I know a, a little bit of an outlier size at 6'6". I get that. But I love the movement capabilities. I love the quickness. I love the ability to get out. 
and, and block on the run and block on the move. I think he could spring open a lot of things for a team, you know, zone uh, a zone run scheme, get him on the outside, get him on the perimeter. I really like Joe Tipman. I take him over John Michael Schmidt. I think John Michael Schmidt is maybe a, a safer pick, but I think the ceiling for Joe Tipman is a little bit higher than John Michael Schmidt's. Uh, I, I'd be, I'd be bound, uh, uh, pounding the table for him is a late second round pick. I think positional value does matter. And that's why I think because Mock has that versatility, I think he should go early second or late one. I think Tipman is more of a mid to late second because I don't think, I think he's more of a center at the next level uh, than that. A couple other, uh, and then the last two guys I'll say at the offensive line are two more centers. Luke Whipler and Ricky Stromberg. I think both of those guys weren't going in round three. I think there's a real possibility both of them are sitting there in round four. I, I love the athletic capabilities of Luke Whipler. Uh, really good to very good athleticism, movement skills, agility, footwork, lateral quickness. I like his techniques. Uh, he's, I think he's just a redshirt sophomore, so he's got even more upside to continue to develop. I think he's a perfect fit to be a starter in his own run scheme. And then Ricky Stromberg, who I think is going to fall to round four, but the athleticism there might be only average to above average, but really good play strength, power, good in run blocking, uh, can play in zone or gap scheme. I think he's a, a guy who can develop into a starter, be a round four pick, um, I really like Ricky Stromberg's game. I'm, I'm intrigued by him somewhere in round four with the ability to develop into a starter. If we take this over to the defensive tackle position, uh, first guy I'm going to say is my guy is Kalaja Kansi. I think he's going to go round one, but I think he's on that round one, round two border. I'd be okay with him somewhere in the teens, early to mid-teens in the NFL draft. I think... Just like we're looking for difference makers and X factors on the offensive side of the ball, I think the same, I think NFL teams should be doing the exact same thing on the other side of the ball. Looking for difference makers, looking for X factors. Nothing disrupts a quarterback more than interior pressure. We've seen smaller guys. I, I know Aaron Donald is the gold standard, but we've seen other guys make an impact. You know, Grady Jarrett comes to mind a little bit. We've seen other smaller, quicker, you know, defensive tackles be really impactful players. I think Kalaja Kansi can be that. I think he warrants in this today's NFL where passing is is king and you're trying to stop the Joe Burrows, Patrick Mahomes of the world. I think Kalaja Kansi and what he brings to the table, pass rushing, three tech defensive tackle, really good to great athleticism, movement skills. He shows lateral quickness, agility, change of direction. He's got first step explosion. I think at his size and frame, he even shows good play strength and power. Now, yeah, is there going to be times that a giant offensive lineman, you know, engulfs him? Yeah, I think that. But I think he can play to run. Uh you know, and I think that upfield penetrating, he's going to get some stops in the back, which I think is going to be, you know, He's going to make an impact in the run game, not just the pass game. He, no, he's not going to be a guy that, you know, you know, can stop the run at all the times. But I think his upfield penetration is 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 what it would be a difference maker. And I think more teams need that in today's NFL where you're trying to look for that difference-making play on the defensive side of the ball. Offenses are too good. You're not going to slow down Patrick Mahomes the whole game. You're not going to slow down Jalen Hurts. You're not going to slow down Josh Allen. But if you have a guy who can make a difference-making play – in big spots and big moments, I think that's worked a lot. I think Elijah Kansi has that in him. I think if you're a team in need of some interior pass rush, I think anywhere midday one, a mid round one, Elijah Kansi is worth the pick. And I think most people think he's more of like a late round one. I'd be okay mid round one. 
looking through the defensive tackle. The, I'll say one other guy, Jalen Redmond. Same reasons. He's going to be a day three guy, slightly undersized. We start at the combine, and if you watch the film closely, he's got very good athleticism, quickness, and movement skills. Another guy uh, with upfield penetration to not only make a difference against the run, but also create pressure against the quarterback. That's my type in terms of those defensive tackles who I think could be difference makers. I don't think they're at times being valued enough because people are so concerned about maybe the size being a detriment to them. But let's focus on what they do really well. I think Jalen Redmond is the day three version of what I think about Kalaja Kansi in round one. So both of those guys would be guys that I would be pounding the table for if I needed that upfield type penetrator. If we take this over to the edge position, I'm going to start with Nolan Smith out of Georgia. I think he's worthy of a top 12 pick. I really do. The explosion, we just saw last year with Trayvon Walker, that Georgia defense is so loaded that sometimes guys don't get to put up the statistical stats that would stand out because of just how talented they are. I think Nolan Smith is a 10 to 12 sack guy. I think he's I think he's got the athleticism to do a lot of different things. At times you could see him drop in coverage or maybe pick up a tight end or, or running back and, and hold his own but his ability to his, his explosiveness uh his movement skills i think he's really strong he shows good play strength and toughness even at 238 i think he's got that first step quickness bend i really am a fan of nolan smith if he falls out of the top 12 or top 15 i think teams are passing on a talent that they're going to regret passing on because i really like nolan smith i think he should be in the mix anywhere after between 8 and 12 or 8 and 13, I think that's where he should come off the board. If he falls much further than that, I think people are letting him slide a little bit too much. Uh, if we go down a little bit more in terms of the defensive end edge position, I'll say one other guy that I'm, that I'm intrigued with would be Derek Hall out of Auburn. He's, I think he's more of a 3-4 edge rusher, but I love the athleticism, the, the, the first step, the bend, the quickness and explosiveness. I talked about it before with the defensive tackles. In today's NFL... Even if you're, even if you're start out as a situational pass rusher, as a set, as a day two pick, if you can make a big play, that is worth so much in today's NFL. So I think, you know, let's just use the Giants for an example. They have, you know, they drafted Aziz Ojolari two years ago. They drafted Kayvon Thibodeau last year. Didn't need another guy. If they took Derek Hall somewhere on day two and let him come in and rush the passer in, in certain spots, I think he could be a, a, a big X factor as another piece of a pass rush team, even if right now there's still, you know, maybe more development in terms of a three down complete player there. But I think his his explosiveness is what I'd be looking to, to, to take chances on on day two. I like Derek Hall. He'd be another guy that I'd be willing to maybe even early round two. And I think he's going to be more of a late round two to somewhere in round three. If we take this to the linebacker position, one guy stands out right at the top, and that's Deion Henley out of Washington State, former wide receiver when he first started his college journey. But we're talking about a guy, sideline to sideline speed, athleticism, movement skills. He's got closing bursts. He can change directions. He shows agility in the open field, play strength, toughness, physicality. He can play to run well. He can cover well. I think he can be your weak side linebacker. I think he can be your inside linebacker. And there, yeah, there's some play recognition and instinct stuff that's still got to continue to develop, but I think it will. I think this is a guy who you we can see him turn into the best linebacker from this draft class. I'd be willing as early as probably somewhere in that mid round two. And I 
think he's probably going to go more either late round two to to late round three. I think mid round two, I'd be willing to pull a trigger on Deion Henley. He's one of my favorite players in this entire in in this entire draft class. He'd be definitely someone that I would classify as my guy. Uh, Another guy a little bit further down, Ivan Pace Jr. out of Cincinnati. You watch him play. I know he's not he's not the prototype, right? 5'10", 231. But when you watch this guy play, his energy, his his explosion at, uh, towards the ball carrier or towards the quarterback, I just love watching it. So this is a guy who short area quickness and burst is what I love about this guy. Downhill, inside linebacker. I love the play strength the nonstop motor that he plays with. I think he's got great play recognition and instincts. I love the way Ivan Pace Jr. out of Cincinnati plays. Uh, he's a guy that somewhere day three, I'd be okay in round four. I think he might even fall at round five uh, somewhere in there. But Ivan Pace is a guy that I'm, I'm intrigued with just the, the way he plays, the tenacity, the tenaciousness, uh, the aggressiveness of that nonstop motor. I think that I think that plays. I think his limitations in terms of his length and his change of direction and lateral quickness. I think he could overcome that with the way he plays and the style he plays in terms of being a difference maker. If we go to the cornerback position, there's a lot of guys that I could put in my guys section. So let me start with first with Emmanuel Forbes. I know some people are concerned about the 166. They think he's more of a second round pick. I think he's I think he's got the skill set to be a borderline mid first round pick. That's how much I like this player. I love the ball skills. This is not a guy who's afraid to mix it up. You know, yeah, is there some play strength concerns? For sure, 166. But this is, and is there some run support issues? Yeah, for sure. But this is not a guy who's, who's afraid of contact. This is not a guy who, who steers away from contact. He's willing to mix it up. Uh, so yeah, it's a concern, but it's not something that I think should make him fall because I think he's got the best ball skills of any cornerback in this class. The ball production, uh, I think he can build into his frame a little bit and maybe be hovering the mid-170s. Uh, but athleticism is great. Speed, movement skills, burst, change of direction, agility, range, uh, coverability, recovery ability, length. All of that's there. Play recognition and techniques. He's probably best in his own scheme. Uh, so I think that might hurt him a little bit in terms of teams that want to play a lot of man. I think I think his best, I think he could play in press man, but I think his best capabilities would be in his own team. But I really love Emmanuel Forbes. He's a guy that I think is, I think people are worrying too much about the one negative about him. I mean, if this guy was 180 pounds, if he was 14 pounds heavier, you're talking about probably cornerback one or right there with uh Devon Weatherspoon and Christian Gonzalez. They'd be three guys being considered in the top 10 mix. If he was 14 pounds heavier, he'd be going over Deontay Banks. He'd be going over Joey Porter Jr. He'd be going over Brian Branch. He'd be in the mix right where Christian Gonzalez and with that ball production, I wouldn't even be surprised if he went ahead of Christian Gonzalez. It maybe would be Witherspoon, Forbes, Gonzalez in terms of how they would come off the board if he was 14 pounds heavier than what he listed at the combine. So if he can get in, if he maybe can't get to 180, but maybe he can get to 175, 170, you know, this is a guy that I'm, I'm willing to bet on his traits. I'm willing to bet on his his strengths. And I think that can make him a very high impactful player at the next level. Another guy that I would consider my guy is Julius Brents out of Kansas State. I think he was worthy of a late round one, early round two pick. This is a guy who... He's got great athleticism in terms of the total package. Maybe his long speed is average, but everything else is, is 
high-level athleticism, his explosion, his closing bursts, his agility, his change of direction, uh, his ability to break on the football. I love the length, his ability to play at the catch point. He shows good play strength, toughness, and physicality. Uh, He's good in run support. I think he can be an outside man zone corner with starter upside. I think he can play some press. Uh, There's a lot to like about uh, Julius Brents' game. I'm really intrigued by him. Jartavius Martin out of Illinois, whether you want to play him as your nickelback, whether you want to play him as a free safety, he'd be another guy to consider one of my guys. I'd be okay early, early second round. He might be there late second round or early third round. The versatility that he can bring to an offense, uh, the athleticism, the burst, the movement skills, the ball skills. Uh, he's got length. He's got coverability. There's a lot to like about Jartavius Martin. I'd be, as soon as... Early round two set off. I think I think it's fair game for Jertavius Martin. Uh, if you want to classify him as a safety, then he's basically the safety two in this class after Brian Branch. And even Brian Branch, I'm not sure if either of those guys should be considered safeties. I have him on my cornerback board because I think their most value might be as a nickelback and then play some free safety. But wherever you have these guys, you know, I think he warrants going really high. Um, if we continue to go down. I think that's probably it from the cornerback position. And then at the safety position, uh, Sidney Brown. I mean, it took a while for some people to come around on this guy, but the athleticism, burst speed, the movement skills, his toughness, his play strength, his physicality, he's got ball skills, he's got production. There's a lot to like about him. Uh, I'm not. Su- I'm surprised it took so long for people to come around to him being safety one in this class, but I think he warrants being safety one in this class. I would not take Antonio Johnson or Jair Brown or Jordan Battle ahead of Sidney Brown. I think Sidney Brown should, if you're counting Brian Branch and Jertavius Martin as a safety corner hybrid or whatever you want to call them, then I think true safeties, Sidney Brown is safety one in this draft class. Uh, I think the athletic package is complete. I think his I think his ability to impact the game, I love every aspect. I think he's a guy who can impact the run and the pass equally. I like there's a lot to like about Sidney Brown. And then let me see if I can find one more guy. I would say I think I kinda I think I kinda covered. Yeah, I don't want to just pick somebody for the sake of picking somebody. So yeah, so there it is. Let me run through just who they were again at the quarterback position. It was Anthony Richardson and Jerron Hall were my guys. At the running back position, it was Devin A. Chain. Uh it was Tank Bigsby and it was Eric Gray at the wide receiver position. Uh it was uh, Josh Downs, it was Marvin Mims, Tyler Scott, uh, were the guys, and Charlie Jones. At the tight end position, it was Luke Musgrave. At the offensive line position, it was Joe Tipman and Cody Mock. And then on the defensive side of the ball, on the defensive line, it was Kalaja Kansi and uh, Jalen Redman. On, at the edge rushers, uh, it was Nolan Smith and Derek Hall. At the linebacker position, one of my favorite players in the whole draft, Dayon Henley at a Washington State. The cornerback position, uh, it was Emmanuel Forbes uh, and Julius Brents and Jertavius Martin. And then at the safety position, it was Sidney Brown. So those are all guys that, yeah, the, a lot of those guys are going to go in the first two days of the NFL draft. But I think in terms of some will fall to day three, 
But I think I where I have them valued and pegged would be higher than just about where they will come off the board most likely and where the consensus is right now. So just kind of wanted to share you know, who I am higher on from both the offensive and the defensive side of the ball, guys that I'd be pounding the table for if I was in the war rooms. Uh, and that's just a little bit of a sampling of the guys that, that I think stand out from guys in terms of guys that I like a little bit more than what is out there. Guys, if you're enjoying this content, please get over to the website ssfootball.com. Fastest way, easiest way to get there. Check out our premium content tab. Uh, everything about the notebooks, which I mentioned earlier in the show, you can read it there. You can reach out to me on Twitter if you have any questions. Uh, this is my favorite time of the year. I'll be live tweeting all three days of the NFL draft, sharing my thoughts on every single pick. I'm once again going to be privileged enough to join the guys over at Football Guys, Sigmund Bloom, Matt Wallman, two of my favorite people in the industry, two people that have helped me here at Saturday Sunday and helped the brand Saturday Sunday as much as anybody in the industry. I will be with them live 8 to 9.30, the first hour and a half of the NFL draft. Finally, I will not have to sweat out a Giants pick while I'm doing the live broadcast with them, but even while I'm doing the live broadcast with them i will be tweeting out my thoughts on each pick and then cycling back and maybe you know you know quote tweeting and giving a little bit more synopsis on it from a fantasy angle from a team angle but when the picks first made i'll I'll put my quick thoughts out there for every single pick even while i'm doing the live show with the football guys uh and then friday all day available answer questions whether it's fantasy whether it's team specific whether it's you know what teams might be looking for on day two and day three. Then I'll be live tweeting all Friday night and then all day Saturday tweeting before the draft, during the draft, sharing my up to the minute dynasty rookie rankings. There'll be Saturday to Sunday podcasts, all three nights of the NFL draft. Uh, there'll be, I might even make them live on YouTube for any people who are night owls. Uh, I'll be recording them after the the draft coverage ends. So people who are into that and want to watch it live, I'll put out the, I'll put out the link uh, so you can watch those shows even live. And then the podcast form will be out by the next morning as well. We will have you covered wire to wire here. So get over to the website, check out what we offer Twitter handle, reach out. I will respond to just about every single message, uh, every single uh, tweet that I get. It takes me time to cycle back through them, but I will respond to every single one. If you send me a question or you know just want to communicate with me, share your thoughts on players. Uh, obviously, a lot of Giants talk will be on the timeline as well. Uh, always enjoy talking about the Giants and, and what their plans could be on draft weekend as well. So on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, Thank you for joining us, and I look forward to next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday. <laughs>